the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back as we head into hour two of our daily three-hour tour. It is a privilege to welcome back. Uh, it's been a while since he's been on. It's my fault. One of the most serious uh, uh, thinkers, one of the most astute observers on the scene, uh, politics and policy in Washington, Terry Jeffrey, Terrence P. Jeffrey, officially editor-in-chief at CNS News, cnsnews.com. He's been writing some great stuff about the hearings we've been uh, discussing <coughs> Excuse me, with Judge Brown Jackson. Terry, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thanks. It's been a while. I hope you're well, sir. Thanks for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. You betcha. Thanks for uh, all the work you've been doing, sir. I went through a bunch of moments, I guess that would be the right word, uh, (laughs) from the hearings that I don't think most of the media covered. Uh, I found it particularly interesting here, for example, um, when it came time for the first set of Q&A or interrogatories with Josh Hawley. Um, I noticed uh, here our local affiliate that was or our local PBS and, and, and CNN and MSNBC carrier went to pre-scheduled programming, as did, I have to tell you, Fox News as well. I just thought it supremely odd. So there's a lot that I don't think a lot of the people know. I had no idea about the set of questions you um, you you set your eyes to um, when it came to Amy Klobuchar and when it came to Q&A. Uh, from uh, uh, John Cornyn, I guess it was, on the issues of substantive due process in life. But I want to get to that and what you wrote about it. It it was insightful. I'd love your first observations on the stuff I have been kind of focusing on. I think the not knowing what a woman thing is telling. But some of the stuff Tom Cotton did where she didn't know or was at least not willing to say that she knew about the reappearance of Defendant Hawkins in front of her in 2019. This is the man... She'd sentenced in 2013. Did you catch some of this with Tom Cotton? I can I can help you out if you didn't. But did you catch some of what Tom Cotton got from her on that? I I, I did see it. I you can re, I think it'd be good to refresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in 20, so for for I guess two weeks now before the hearings even began, right? Tom, uh, Josh Hawley is making an issue of her being soft on sentencing when it comes to child sex uh, sex porn cases and child sex abuse cases. And the one main one that everyone was focusing on, everyone, was this defendant named Hawkins, who we were told was 18, and she sentenced him to three months, far below the sentencing guidelines, far below what the prosecution wanted. And this has been, you know, torn up and about by every fact checker and every, you know, possible liberal uh, outlet that could possibly uh, exist to attack Josh Hawley for bringing it up. And it came up in some Q&As on her first day of questions and answers. But then something interesting got discovered, I guess, in the office of Tom Cotton, which is this defendant who she sentenced to three months in 2013 reappeared before her in 2019. And he was asking her yesterday why he was there in 2019 in front of her. You know, this most talked about case, maybe the most famous case she's been questioned on throughout the hearings and that's been written. And she claimed to not remember, not remember. Now, it's very, very likely 
that the reason he reappeared before her and Tom Cotton said this is because, you know, when given a three month sentence in 2013, he probably, you know, not only broke broke whatever whatever of uh, parole parole or guidelines he was he was sentenced under in those three months supervision he was sentenced he probably recommitted the crimes and the washington post did a little squib on that showing that it does appear that was the case how this isn't the biggest story i don't know but i guess we could say that about a lot of stories terry you know i think that i happened to be in the hearings on monday tuesday and wednesday i didn't stay in the wee hours in the morning but i was there for most of it and uh I have to say, I think, you know, Josh Hawley started out by laying out her record on child porn cases. And on Tuesday, Ted Cruz went into great detail and Cotton went after it. I thought the Republicans did a very good job in presenting the fact that that this judge has a consistent record in giving lenient cases. In fact, lenient sentences. In fact, sentences are more lenient than those recommended by the prosecutors in child porn cases which is an extremely disturbing pattern, and she didn't have a good answer for it. And, uh, you know, I think America needed to know that. The Democrats would like to ignore it. Senator Durbin obviously did not like that line of questioning, but it is really something quite remarkable about her record. And uh, personally, I don't think she ought to be confirmed in the Supreme Court, and that's one of the reasons. I don't think she's telling the truth to the committee on a lot of fronts. I mean, I don't think she does actually not remember what happened in 2019 with this case that everyone has been talking about since 2013. I, I just don't believe her. I don't think it's credible that she she said she's probably sentenced 100 defendants in her career. You'd remember that one. 108 so many to remember. Really, it isn't. Not when you're a judge. It really isn't. It, it's difficult to believe. And you, you uh, alluded to another remarkable moment when Marsha Blackburn yeah. asked her Tuesday night if she could define a woman, and she declined to do so. Right. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. But we know that one of the issues that the liberals and federal bench have been pursuing is trying to eliminate the distinction between the male and female sex and pretend that men can be women and women can be men, including in grammar school and on sports teams. And I'm sure she knows that's an issue that's going to come before sure. her. And so she's here we have someone who, who's almost assuredly going to go to the Supreme Court, unfortunately, who won't even admit that there's a fundamental difference between a man and a woman. That's really like asking, excuse me, Judge, can you tell me what 2 plus 2 equals? And she says, I don't really know. I'm not a math major. Terry, <laughs> Terry, if she gets confirmed by that answer, she's basically signaling to the advocates of these kinds of ridiculous policies to try and get a case in front of her. She's basically telling them, I'm on your side. She is telling them yes. that I cannot tell you what a woman is. Yes, I think it's absolutely predictable that she'll be on the wrong side of that issue. That, you know, Justice Stephen Breyer, she's been nominated to replace, right. was one of the most far-left justices in the history of the Supreme Court. I mean, this guy declared that partial birth abortion was protected by what he called the right to privacy. Right. Right to privacy isn't, you know, we will talk about substitute due process, but it's not in the Constitution. It was invented by a group of justices so they could, because they could justify abortion in the womb. That's right. He used it to justify abortion of a baby that had been partly removed. Right. From the womb. Right. And she clerked for that guy. Yeah. And uh, she is at least as far left as he is, which she means she will be one of the most far left justices in the history of the Supreme Court. 
left of William Brennan and Thurgood Marshall because they're the ones that gave us the phrase immutable characteristics uh, back in the uh, in the Frontiero case in the early 70s. And they defined them as things you cannot change, like your gender or yeah. your sex. She's to the left of those most leftist of all Supreme Court justices. This is the America we live in now, Terry. Did I lose you? Wing, yeah. left wing president of the United States. Yeah. She was way to the left of the justices appointed by John F. Kennedy. Yep. And uh, she's, she's going to be a with, I think actually she's going to be the left even of Kagan and Sotomayor. Yep. Who were nominated by Bill Clinton. Yep. Who are pretty far to the left. Yep. But they're not absolute extreme and unmitigated leftists. I, I think that quite likely that's where we're going to see her fall. She's going to be without question always on the far left of the court. Terry, I do want to get to the abortion issue you wrote about. We'll maybe do it in the next segment because I, you're just giving me a lot of things I want to follow up with you on. I had a, I had an e- email from uh, a listener just before you and I came on uh, asking if if I think any uh, any Republicans will vote for her. You're there. You've been there. You've been observing it. Uh, what's your sense? You think they'll pick off a couple Republicans? No, I don't think so. I think the the, the two that some people suspected uh, before the hearings might go her way uh, would be uh, Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Senator Murkowski of Alaska. And uh, I think with her testimony, um, you know, e- even on things like, uh, you know, what we just talked about, um, that her sentencing, that they probably will not. And Mitch McConnell went down to the Senate floor today yeah. and gave a really scathing explaining why he is not going to vote for it. Yeah. So I, I'd be very surprised. So I think we're probably going to get a 50-50 split. Yeah. And, you know, because I don't think Manchin is going to bolt on this one. And uh, so Kamala Harris is going to decide. Who that was my next question. You think you think the Dems keep Manchin on this one, huh? You know, I, I do. You know, I, th- I think that um, unless we get something more, yeah. I, I, you know, he's, he's, he's sort of indicated that He's not inclined to go against her. And uh, obviously, you know, he mentioned some, some pretty dramatic turns from the Democrats uh, in the recent past. I don't think he's going to do it on this one, but who knows? Yeah. Uh, let me keep you uh, another segment, if I can, Terry Jeffrey. Uh, I want to talk to you about what you wrote on the uh, abortion part. And also get your sense. Do you think the Democrats in the back rooms are kind of saying maybe we didn't vet this one quite well enough? I, I'm, I'm thinking they are. Uh, Terry Jeffrey is our guest. He's the editor, editor-in-chief at CNS News, cnsnews.com, among a great many other things. And as I say, one of the most astute observers of the uh, political scene in Washington. I'm Seth. He's Terry. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Terry Jeffrey, Terrence P. Jeffrey, editor-in-chief at CNS News, among other things, is our guest. Terry, uh, by the way, before we get into the question uh, on Roe v. Wade and abortion and uh, the judge's nomination, do you think the Democrats have a little bit of buyer's remorse? you think they're they're sweating this one just a little bit more than they thought they would be? I think they do. I think I think they may. You know, obviously she had great credentials. Yeah. She went to Harvard undergrad, Harvard Law School. She's been 10 years on federal courts. Um, but, I, you know, she's been very vague in her answers, not very candid. Not very scholarly, actually. So I, I, I suspect that they may have expected her to be a little different than she is. 
And I gotta tell you, I don't think um, I don't think very um, very skilled at answering tough questions. You can tell that there. Uh, how how do I? The temperament there is a little different than most I've seen before the Senate Judiciary Committee. She's she's just yeah. a little more. What's the word I want? Just a little more. I don't know. A little more curt and a little more flash of anger here and there. <laughs> Well, when I was there, I was sitting behind her, so I couldn't see her facial expressions. But uh, I, I don't think she did as good a job. You know, I'm not a fan of Kagan or Sotomayor, but I think they performed better oh, yeah. in the confirmation hearings. Oh, yeah. Than, than she has. So she still, I believe, you know, she's going to be confirmed. Okay. Um, Terry, in the ones in the in the judicial nominations that most of us alive remember as being highly controversial and generating a lot of news – uh, I don't know, take it back to Robert Bork, think Clarence Thomas, maybe even uh, the last couple that uh, Donald Trump gave us, uh, Barrett and uh, Kavanaugh. It really did focus. Those hearings really were about more than anything, weren't they? They were about Roe v. Wade more than anything, even a little with John Roberts uh, and Sam Alito. It's interesting to me how little about that has been brought up on um, on this set of hearings. And especially in light of what could potentially be an overturning of it this summer, something a lot of people didn't think could happen, but may very well, according to the scholars I talked to. I'd love your assessment of that, too, by the way. Kind of odd, but you drilled in on some stuff that Kagan and Cornyn were doing with her. Tell us tell us what you're getting at here. Well, I think, that, you know, first of all, yeah, I think you're right. Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, which is testing the Mississippi law that bans abortion after six weeks, is the court has, they've already decided it. They know what they yeah. know. And we're going to see the opinion in June. And I believe they're definitely going to um, expand the power of state governments to prohibit abortions, whether they totally overturn Roe and roll it entirely back and give that power entirely back to states. Yet, is yet to be seen. I think that depends a lot on where, quite frankly, Barrett and Kavanaugh go. Yeah. I, I really doubt that Chief Justice Roberts will go all the way in overturning Roe. And he may have tried to negotiate some kind of middle ground, but if and Kavanaugh wrote a very bad opinion on the appeals court, where he said a 15-year-old illegal alien caught trying to cross the border. Kavanaugh did clerk on the Supreme Court for Anthony Kennedy, who is the guy who held up Roe and Planned Parenthood and Casey. But I think people think there is some chance that Kavanaugh might vote to return Roe. We'll see if he if he and Barrett went the right, right way, they could ever turn around. But we'll find that out in a few months. I think that she obviously is replacing one of the most pro-abortion justices on the court, Breyer. So she's not going to affect the balance of the court, but she definitely is going to cement that the Breyer seat in the totally pro-abortion camp. And when she was asked about Roe, she defended Roe, uh, but she she also. Um, you know, could, you know, we just you mentioned Senator Cornyn. He yeah. brought up Griswold v. Connecticut, right. which was a 1965 case that tested a Connecticut law that prohibited contraception. And uh, what happened in Griswold with he, he quoted to her Hugo Black, who was an, an FDR nominee to the court, who dissented. He quoted to her from the dissent. But what happened in Griswold is that the court declared there was a quote unquote right to privacy that derived from the Due Process Clauses in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment, which say that someone has a right to life, liberty, and property through due process. 
And they, 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 they extrapolated from that to claim this never-before-claimed right called the right to privacy, which they then used uh, eight years later in Roe to say you could kill an unborn child. But given the way that she responded and the, the attempt by Cornyn to limit her, um, I think you have to think that, you know, and I think what Cornyn was trying to get at is, given her view of the Constitution, there is no limit on the ability of five justices of the Supreme Court to declare anything a right. Right. It's totally within their whim. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, obviously that's been a very dangerous thing on the court in recent decades. And I think it's very clear from the way she presented things in her testimony that's that's where she stands. Terry, uh, did you think that there was an allergy of some kind from Republicans by drilling down further on this, or do you think it was so much a fait accompli that you're trading a briar for any other Democratic nominee that it's not worth a lot of time on? You know, it was interesting. I was surprised how little it came up. Yeah, I was too. And uh, I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know whether the Republicans did have the guts to go after her. Or whether they know that Dobbs v. Jackson is sitting out there, we're going to get the answer to that in June, and let's just wait and see. Um, I, I, it's not clear to me, but I think that they probably should have questioned her more aggressively on that and laid out and tried to lay out at least where she stood on it in much greater detail and with more force. On the uh, on occasion, Terry, on n- nominations in the past from Democrats, on occasion, there's been flickers of hope that this person may not be as bad as we think. This person may have a few originalist or even conservative instincts here and there. I remember some people were saying that I think ended up being wrong about that. But I remember they observed Sotomayor and thought, well, there might be a few areas she might you know, kind of come our way on. Whatever that was, there's nothing that indicates that with Judge uh, 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 Brown-Jackson, is there? I don't think so. I mean, I think there are, there's a couple of moments in her in her hearing where she did sort of pretend that she believes in the actual <laughs> Constitution. Yeah. I don't believe her. I don't believe the Republican senators believe her. I don't think Joe Biden believes that. He wouldn't have nominated her if he did. And you know, there's an unfortunate pattern in the last few decades, uh, last several decades, Supreme Court nominees. The Republicans make mistakes and nominate yep. justices yep. who aren't strict construction yep. and who betray conservative principles on the court. Democrats don't. Yep. They, name, they name justices who do exactly what they predict they're going to do, which is be activist, you know, left-wing judges who believe in a living constitution and change its meaning. And uh, it's we've come a long way since the early 1960s when uh, – um, President Kennedy named the justice of the Supreme Court, Byron White, who voted against Roe v. Wade. Yeah, we've come a long way. And we've come a long way when you kind of look back at Thurgood Marshall and William Brennan and realize we've got someone to the left of them here. Terry, I won't make it so long from here on out. I promise. I miss you. I miss your analysis. I miss your voice. I appreciate your time and I appreciate what you do, sir. Thank you very much, sir. You bet. Terry Jeffrey from CNS News, cnsnews.com. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, brought to you live from the Guns Etc. Studios. Greg's in Chandler. Greg, thanks for your patience. Welcome to the show. Well, I guess 
patience is the key. If you don't have patience, how do you maintain any sense of sanity? It is a virtue that we are told, isn't it? Who said patience is a virtue? Do you know? I think it was Chaucer. I could be wrong. I think it was Chaucer. I'm sorry, are you there? Yeah, I'm here, sir. Go right ahead. Okay. Is is there a reason we should still have women in men's bathrooms and labels on the bathrooms? Is that, are we just done? Is that over? Is there a reason we should have women's and men's sports? Or, yeah, that's over. What about about the move towards single-sex education? Yeah. If I would have done, the one thing I wish Marsha Blackburn would have done was just simply read what Miriam's dictionary defines, which, again, you could see the writing on the wall. They're expecting it to somehow disappear in the future. Yeah, It does refer to the fact that a woman has the ability to produce eggs and or give childbirth. Even a trans, they stipulate, does not have the body parts necessary to push out a baby. Yeah. So you can make yourself look like a woman. It's the same thing with the marriage. We just, we're just so weak. If you want to get together in gay marriage, fine, get together, call it something, and be proud of it. Go crazy. And if you want to be a man who now is a woman and you want to change yourself, okay. But can, are, is there no honesty? Are we ever, ever is there, going to Is there no honesty? honesty? Is there no honor? I mean, what, what level of uh, veterans of the feminist movement, you know, to get to take – you know, women seriously, equal rights, all of all all of that which we were instructed. What must it feel like to look at that revolution turning into a place where we now call people birthing persons? I mean, what was that for? What's Title IX for? What is the point of any of this? This is a radical reconstruction of society that was argued for by Marx and his adherent descendants um, to help reshape, to to be part and parcel of reshaping all of society, to being as gods, to treating human beings as as certain human beings, uh, as overcoming uh, nature and and religion. And and Greg, it's... um, it's coming at you fast and a lot faster than any of us, I think, were prepared for. And it's coming so fast and so hardened. I mean, even so much so that it's being supported by massive, um, na- uh, well, by major Fortune 500 companies. Uh, so the cultural elite is on board. And, and, and I wouldn't have predicted it coming this fast. But if this can come this fast, I couldn't predict what's next. But it'll be something pretty shocking, I'm sure. I mean, this should have been shocking. I'm surprised how few people are shocked. That does sadden me. How many? How few people do seem to have the ability to push back, even you know, lying or or abusing, like you said, honor. Just the honor of of knowing what is is. If I put feathers on my back, doesn't make me a bird. Right. Now, I'm not going to offend the birds, but I. But if we're not going to be honest and just tell each other. You know, <laughs> There's no civil society left. Well, a couple of years ago, um, no, you're right. I mean, a couple of years ago, there was a uh, the controversy over um, over a, a woman uh, who was uh, born Caucasian named Rachel Dolezal. I don't know if you remember the situation. Oh, yeah. You remember Rachel Dolezal? And she held herself out as black to work for one of the NAACP affiliates. And when it was determined, uh, this must have been around 2015, about five, six, seven years ago, <clears throat> when it was determined she was faking being black, you know, she was shamed, she was fired. 
Um, and 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 at this point, one almost has to ask if she's owed an apology. I mean, if you can change your gender, why can't you change your race? These are the two right. classical legal immutable things, race and gender. We've now evidently dispensed with the gender thing. The race thing, I think, requires an apology to Rachel Dolezal. And then there's sure. – yeah, right? And then there's this weird third angle I was talking about in my monologue, which my brain can't even synthesize. Uh, I don't know if someone can. But we are told since uh, – for two years now, we have been told that the new ethos of uh, civil rights – is that if you claim to be colorblind, that is a sign of white supremacy. White supremacists now use the phrase colorblind because they want to deny or try to deny the obvious color in front of them. You you may be familiar with this line of thinking. It comes from Robin DeAngelo, and it comes from uh, the entire that that entire that entire line of new scholarship. Um, uh, and, and and so if that's the case. It, what are they going to say once people can start changing immutable characteristics like race? It's really too hard to fathom. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by our friends at Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. Friends for two reasons. One, they produce a great product. Two, Look at where they advertise shows like this because they support you. If you're in the market uh, or in the mood or thinking about uh, whole food supplement, any kind of supplement, fruits and veggies, um, it's the best kind of supplement you could have. Please consider Balance of Nature. The whole fruit blend is tomatoes, papayas, bananas, apples, grapes, wild blueberries, strawberries, aloe vera, and more. Can you say you had any of that today? Can you say you had two of those today, three of those? You get them all in a daily dose with just the fruits of Balance of Nature. The veggies, equally great, equally potent. Broccoli, kale, cauliflower, zucchini, wheatgrass, cayenne, pepper, and a whole lot more. 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables in one daily dose of Balance of Nature. I've been taking it for three years. Everyone who has taken it since uh, – uh, as a result of my recommending uh, it to them, has also given me the same feedback I'm giving you. It has kept us healthy and energetic every time we take it, which is every day. And it won't take long for you to notice the effects either. It really won't. Think about putting all that fruit and vegetable, all those fruits and vegetables, into your system. You'll 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 know it's working in about 48 hours. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code. Balance. Okay, we've spent a lot of time on um, the uh, Brown-Jackson nomination. Happy to take more of your calls on it if you want. Think it through. I did get an email from listener Joe who uh, was asking uh, whether we would be uh, seeing any uh, Republicans voting for her. I to, the answer to which is I, I just don't know. But it was good to hear Terry Jeffrey saying he thinks all the Republicans will vote against her. Mitch McConnell did give a strong speech today saying why he wouldn't. It was a little unusual for Mitch McConnell to do that. I didn't suspect he'd ever vote for her, but the speech was pretty scathing, deservedly so. And I think it's also true that uh, Judge um, Brown Jackson has given all of the Republicans enough line and enough uh, justification not to vote for her, including uh, the two we were most worried about, uh, Murkowski and uh, Collins. 
I wasn't uh, sure about Lindsey Graham. It's pretty clear he's a no at this point, given the Q&A he did with her and how angry he was about her representation of Guantanamo detainees. And then the other one, um, obviously, we're always concerned about is Mitt Romney. The interesting thing about Mitt Romney is he voted against her when she was nominated to the D.C. Court of Appeals. Lindsey Graham voted for her when she was nominated to the D.C. Court of Appeals. Mitt Romney voted against her. So it makes it a little easier for Mitt Romney to vote against her again, and it will require Lindsey Graham to provide the justification for voting against her now, justifications which I think are all over the place. They're legion. It's easier uh, to not... um, It's easier to uh, find a justification to vote against her than to not find a justification to vote against her. So I think we'll have all the Republicans. And then the question becomes, as Terry Jeffrey pointed out, do we get Joe Manchin? And Terry's thesis on this is just reading political tea leaves. He has departed so many times from the Democratic Party. It's going to be continually – it's going to be difficult for him to continually um, thwart uh, the Democratic Party. Um, And, you know, of course, on something so consequential as this. But, you know, he did on some pretty consequential things. I mean, how ramped up was the Democratic Party on the Build Back Better agenda? I mean, they put their all into that one, didn't they? It seemed like they did. I um, I'm not so sure uh, that Terry and I see this one the same way. Now, Terry's in D.C. and he sat through the hearings and he knows these people a lot better than I do. But I think there's a potential. Excuse me. I think there's a potential for uh, Joe Manchin to defect on this. If he does, and every Republican holds shape, uh, then this nomination goes downward. Imagine that. Imagine that. Can you imagine Joe Biden losing this one? The potential of it, given everything uh, that his polls are now showing, can you imagine what it would mean for the Joe Biden presidency to lose his first Supreme Court nomination, especially given all the sturm and drang around it, all the alarms and, excu- and excursions around it, all the this person is the next – it was almost as if this person was the next Kamala Harris speaking about what a great role model she was. And that speech I opened up with that Cory uh, Booker gave is just um, incredible in, in the sense not of amazing but incredible in the sense of uncredible, hard to believe. I don't believe it happened. I don't believe what Cory Booker said is true. I do not believe a United States senator is on a morning jog and a bystander tackles him. I just don't believe it's true. That would normally make the pages of the Washington Post. Normally. I just don't believe it. But as I said, too, the tale is told when he says, you remind me of my mom and my cousins. Now, his mom and his cousins were not lawyers any more than they were students at Harvard. And I have to tell much less clerks to, you know, famous judges uh, like uh, like um, Breyer and uh, and Celia. So obviously he's only talking about her being a great American because of her race. Race should be um, as far as I'm concerned and gender race, race should be irrelevant to whether you're a good American or not. I wonder if Cory Booker thinks Candace Owens is a good American. We know Joe Biden didn't think that of Janice Rogers Brown. She was an African-American woman who George W. Bush put on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals and was con- contemplating elevating to the Supreme Court 
until Joe Biden said he promised he would filibuster her. Think about that. Joe Biden could <laughs> could have had the talking point of appointing the first African-American female justice to the Supreme Court taken away but for his own actions. The only – well, it's not the only because history doesn't reveal its alternatives, but it's a very likely thing that the only reason we don't already have an African-American woman on the Supreme Court is precisely because of Joe Biden's actions on the Senate. Now, all of that to say uh, Joe Biden is at it uh, today again. He uh, now is in Europe. He's in Brussels. Uh, It's a good thing he went in a sense. It's a good thing because I don't know how many times you can keep sending Kamala Harris and how many deep thoughts uh, the American and world mind can take from Kamala Harris uh, when she travels abroad. By the way, as she told Lester Holt when he asked her if she's never been to the border, she said, yeah, and I've also never been to Europe. Well, she's been there a few times now. Having having checked that box, maybe Lester Holt can uh, try and get her another interview or at least remind her that having been to Europe so many times now, maybe it is time to visit the border. You do realize the border crisis, though not in the news, hasn't been resolved, right? Not a not a bit. Not a bit. It's amazing how many things have not been resolved. How about all those allies of ours who worked with us on the ground in Afghanistan? You think that's been resolved? Not a bit. Not a bit. These crises that um, we face, sometimes foisted on us, sometimes velleity, these crises that come, they don't get solved. They just get replaced by an ever-cascading new flow of crises. I'll tell you what Joe Biden said in Europe when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show brought to you live from the Guns Etc. studios. Joe Biden is indeed in Europe. He was uh, in Brussels, I think, on his way to Poland. But he was in Brussels today meeting with NATO members, did a small Q&A, took six questions, six. Uh, one of them had to do with what he um, what he says and stands for now. Will it abide in subsequent administrations should he uh, not be reelected? I want you to listen to this answer. I find it um, – well, it's clear that he's memorized this answer and that this is just his go-to. But I want you to listen to it and you tell me how proud it makes you feel to see an American president uh, blasting as Nazis fellow Americans. Trying to do what NATO is trying to do here these days to prevent what you're trying to do uh, becoming undone two years from now. No, that's not how I think of this. I've been dealing with foreign policy for longer than anybody is involved in this process right now. I have no concerns about the impact. I made a commitment when I ran this time. I wasn't going to run again, and I mean that sincerely. I had no intention of running for president again. And uh, until I saw those folks coming out of the fields and... Virginia carrying torches and carrying... I just got to stop this. How many times have you heard him say this? How many times have you heard this being repeated by him? It's just his go-to. You, you know what's coming. Here it is. Nazi banners and literally singing the same vile rhyme that they used in Germany in the early 20s, or 30s, I should say. And, um, and then when... The gentleman you mentioned was asked what he thought, and a young woman was killed, a protester. 
And he asked, was asked what he thought. Uh, he said, they're very good people on both sides. A lie. That is a lie that he said and that. That's when I decided I wasn't going to be quiet any longer. And when I ran this time, and I think the American press, whether they look at me favorably or unfavorably, acknowledges, I made a determination. Nothing is worth, no election is worth my not doing exactly what I think is the right thing. Not a joke. <laughs> not a joke. Too long in the tooth to fool with this any longer. And so we're a long way off in elections, a long way off. My focus, if any election, is on making sure that we retain the House and the United States Senate so that I have the room to continue to do you know the he's in Brussels. do in terms of grow the economy and deal in a rational way with American foreign policy and lead the world, lead, be the leader of the free world. So, uh, um, but it's not, a, it's not an illogical question for someone to ask. I say to people at home, Imagine if we sat and watched the, uh, the doors of the Bundestag broken down and police officers killed and hundreds of people storming in. Or imagine if we saw that happening in the British Parliament or whatever. How would we feel? And, uh, you do have to imagine it because that's not what happened. Police officers were not killed as he's bringing up January 6th in Brussels, as he's bringing up the, the non-fact that Donald Trump praised white supremacists in Charlottesville. Does he know he's in Brussels? I'm Seth Leapson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.